Hello and welcome to Stolen Trades Podcast, episode number 130. This is Schmitty. This is Stark. I'm Zoner. And this is Zook. We are having some uh, connection issues, it seems, but uh, we are here and uh, we'll struggle through. Hey, uh, shout out to our sponsors this week. Uh, special thanks to our friends over at trekradio.net, cryptonradio.com, openbookaudio.com, and stitcher.com. Uh, this week we are also brought to you by Speaking Into Microphones. And, so. and, and you microphones. have nobody else to speak with, speak with your microphone. If you record <laughs> I hate it, when my it microphone talk talks back. back to me. We can actually just, uh, yeah, we can do whatever we want that way. We can just make up our own sponsors. If you would like to sponsor us, let us know. We won't turn you down. It's been a crazy week this week. Have you guys noticed that? It seems like all yeah. headlines have been coming out from everywhere. It exploded. Yeah, it, it was it was an onslaught of uh, just news, which and is all, yeah. weird because we haven't had one of those for a while. It's all across the spectrum, too. It's not all in just one thing. So mm-hmm. it's good. Well, we've we've had to cut a few headlines here already, so let's get started, so we don't have to cut any more. First up is an article from Forbes. Uh, now, of course, we found this because it's an article in Forbes about Salt Lake Comic Con. But interesting, the article itself isn't necessarily about the Comic Con itself. I know you guys are probably getting kind of tired of hearing us talk about it, but this particular article was actually talking about how they managed to leverage social media to actually get kind of uh, the, the best way to put it, they were using social media as a way to capture metrics on what the interest was for the con itself. You know, there's always that kind of scary thing when you're planning any event that no one's going to show up. That you think that it's going to be really popular, that you're really excited for it, but you don't know if everyone's actually going to come or not. And because, for whatever reason, Americans are horrible about actually RSVPing, we're usually well justified in our fears. Well, it turns out the PR company who was in charge of it was using Facebook and Twitter as a metric to figure out how many people were actually talking about this and to see how it, it ramped upwards. And they used it like mad. And, and I, I would actually like to applaud them for how well they were using a lot of stuff. Everybody was forwarding their tweets. Everybody was forwarding their the pictures that they were using for, in the contests. They put a lot of thought into this, and it, it yielded a lot of results. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it, exactly. In this article, they actually talk about some of the things they did, you know, and different meme-like things, things that you're used to seeing on Facebook. Hey, what do you think this person's thinking? Put your put your thoughts in a comment and be entered to win, I don't know, a free pass or a free autographing or, you know, little things like that, that you see all over Facebook, but it worked, and it has a timeline, June 4th. They're talking about it. Uh, we've so far grown to 8,100 likes, and there's 8,000 people talking about making it in the top 1% of Facebook, um, and that's June 4th. You move forward just a little bit to June 14th, we have 10,000 fans and 11,000 people talking about us to July 1st, two weeks later. Um, we now have 17,000 people talking about us. To just a few weeks later, I mean, it, it's jumping exponentially, and it's actually put the rest of the PR world on notice that maybe this is something, this is actually something they can use, which, not to, not to sound like a kind of I told you so, but isn't this something everyone who uses Facebook kind of already assumed people were doing? I know that basically a lot of us, we, a lot of us when we heard about this, we're kind of like, duh, we 
that's what you use Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest and all these other things for is to go ahead and uh, market what you're doing. I mean, watching the news today, they had the icon for Facebook and Twitter and everything below their their news site. Well, even in like um, that new Robin Thicke. Uh, uh, music video. I shouldn't say new. It's actually been out all summer. The one that's caused all the controversy. They're actually putting hashtags directly across the entire screen of the music video. Obviously, they want you to tweet it. Obviously, they want to make an impact and track how big it is. You see it now on every single um, show nowadays where it actually has the Twitter tag down there. Uh, Colbert, Stephen Colbert on his show will actually just make up ones on the fly and they'll add the graphic beneath it and all of a sudden you start to see that trending. <laughs> so I kind of, I just thought this was something that PR companies were already doing. But evidently, they weren't like this. Go they fit. definitely weren't getting responses like this. Yeah. Um, moving forward, uh, as soon as my computer catches up with what we're doing. Um, Netflix, we all know who Netflix is. They have decided to use another different type of marketing tool to see what it is that people are actually interested in watching. And you'll never guess what it is. Well, maybe you will, because maybe you're inadvertently actually contributing to it. They are Especially tracking, considering what today is. <laughs> they are tracking piracy. Internet piracy. They're tracking down... Who is watching what, not for the purpose of putting them away, but to see what people actually want to watch? That actually makes a whole lot of sense. Now, if they could only score some sort of deal with HBO, maybe Game of Thrones wouldn't be the most priority show on TV. Well, I was going to say that uh, when just because they can see it's the most pirated show doesn't mean they're going to get the rights to it automatically, especially with how stingy HBO is. You know, that's true. And things like Top Gear are... Top Gear was the most pirated show in the world before Game of Thrones um, dethroned it. But... I see what you did there. (laughs) I know, I'm so clever. But BBC and BBC America both um, jealously guard the rights to Top Gear. Uh, And so I don't think I don't think Netflix is ever going to get that unless it's like a back season. But so I mean, Stark's right. You're not going to just because he, they see it doesn't mean they're going to get the rights to it. But <laughs> and actually, they do have they do have almost all but the current season up there on uh, on Netflix actually for Top Gear. And right, Hulu sure. Plus just actually made an made an agreement with uh, with BBC America, so they're going to start airing all that stuff too. Yeah, it's just they want to keep it they want to be able to show it themselves but you're right once it's after a, a season old why not you know if they don't get the deal maybe they'll actually use what they learned from torrenting to download it themselves <laughs> <laughs> they'll put it on Facebook with a hashtag okay um, in kind of odd Google news I know we rag on Google every once in a while for their corrupt things this isn't so much a corrupt thing as it is just kind of a hey but a, the street view cars, you see them perhaps driving around, uh, you, you know what they do, you know their work. It turns out a Google Street View dr- car driver, that's the longest title in the world, uh, but in Indonesia has somehow managed to crash three times in a single day. As the article states, that's not a joke on Chrome. It turns out that he uh, rear-ended a taxi service. Zoner, uh, you got something? Well, I was just wondering if any of them involved hitting a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
No, that was in another continent. Uh, that was the Street View car that took pictures of a dead donkey that turned out not to be dead. <laughs> well, I was wondering, considering how many times that they drive these cars around... I am surprised we haven't had more stories like this where we've had uh, where where a, a Google Street View car has crashed into somebody because it's just it's just the uh, the numbers you have so many trips you're going to have so many accidents just because of but not like this statistics yeah you're not not like this no this is that's why this one made the news that's why I put this one in here I'm like wait a second three times and he ran away because he had the evidence on top of his car no from it wasn't the accident quite, it wasn't evidence that he was worried about so what happens is he hits this uh, this van and it uh, it translates the damage was like two hundred thousand rupiah which only comes out to like seventeen and a half US dollars but it was a couple days worth of earnings for him and he didn't want to have to pay it so he fled the driver of the minivan chased him for about two miles, at which point the Google streetcar driver hit another van. He This tactic wasn't working for him, but he decided to flee again and wound up hitting a parked truck. So by fleeing the scene of one accident, he caused two others. I want to see the street view from that chase. And I, just, I, want to make, I want someone to make it into a gift to the Benny Hill music. Because <laughs> he's just going to have this line of cars chasing him the entire time. It has to be awesome. Car chase as filmed from the Google Street View camera. <laughs> it's the new way they're going to do all street uh, car scenes now. Okay, so a gentleman, an entrepreneur, if you will, has been getting lawsuits, uh, getting uh, summons by patent trolls. Now, typically, in most business cases, they try and settle with the patent troll because it makes the most sense money-wise, time-wise, it's just not worth fighting about it, they just want it to go away, and that is how the patent trolls like it. That's the whole reason they do it. Well, a gentleman by the name of Kevin O'Connor, he's the one who co-founded DoubleClick before selling it to Google. He has a new site called Find the Best. He's decided, no, you know what? I'm rich. I don't need this money anyway. I am going to slaughter them. So he has actually now waged an anti patent troll campaign to try and shut them down he is uh, his efforts have been so successful the patent trolls are now trying to sue him saying that he's slandering them by calling them patent trolls in the article it says that uh, um, basically it is now a hate crime to call somebody a patent troll according to one of the lawyers of said patent troll. Yeah, but this is America where it's a hate crime to do anything and if anyone doesn't agree with you, you can label them a terrorist. We all know that the labels don't actually count. But if Why are you, you so are, racist? You mad, I bro? <laughs> I don't know. I don't appreciate you calling me racist. That's terrorism talk right there. You probably I mean, just is, want to see babies die or something. I don't know. This is exactly how it is here in America. We have these jobs, and then we get offended when people call us by what we do. These people U-I-P, are patent people trolls. You. So patent troll is a profession now? We always knew it was. Is <laughs> that or extortionist? I think well, extortionist it, is more appropriate. It's found in the new uh, Dungeons & Dragons Monster Manual. Um, it's class. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I know Larry Korea has internet troll as an actual race. <laughs> yeah. 
So, um, in other patent troll or frivolous lawsuit news, uh, Charles Watts's bucket, you know, the crazy guy who tried to sue the oatmeal about a year ago, year and a half ago, he's finally decided to call it quits. He says that this was a dumb thing to do, and to which all of us are saying, yeah, we yeah. could tell that the instant you started. He says that he made the situation worse, and that evidently this was uh, not a soluble problem. This is not a problem that is soluble with a legal cease and desist letter or a counter cease and desist letter. I would not have sent that, and I really reassessed the decision thoroughly. It was not a good idea. You really are dealing with a situation that is not amenable, whatever, to legal resolution. He's using a lot of words I can't pronounce, and he's using them as a screen, and I can tell. Essentially, he got slaughtered, yeah. Basically, he... Yeah, now I'm saying it. Everyone's drinking. I realize that. Um, Even Stark. He basically walked into an Old West saloon and said, I'm going to beat all you guys up. And was very surprised when the lawman didn't come in and help him. Oops. I mean, that, that is what it is. It's kind of an odd analogy to make, but the internet is still kind of the Wild West. You can't go in there and just shoot your mouth off and expect to get away scot-free. It doesn't work. And that's okay, because the worst you're going to get is some verbal backlash in retaliation. However, this verbal backlash has destroyed his reputation, if he had one to begin with, and he may not be able to practice law. Yeah, he basically was saying that if you Googled his name, it brought up all these anti-websites for him and how it it, it has his name everywhere. Because once something's on the Internet, it's not coming off. As other lawsuits have determined in the past, they, they can't pull out. You know what he should do? He should call them terrorists and label it a hate crime. <laughs> I'm kidding, pal. Don't do that. That would also be a bad idea. <laughs> Well, as I see it, the guy basically, yeah, drink, everyone at home, drink, I said it. Um, he essentially went in, caused a problem, lit a fire, threw gas on the fire, tried to run away from the fire while he was on fire, and instead of stop dropping and rolling, he ran and jumped into a gas-filled swimming pool. So isn't this the... And now he's looking at this and saying, maybe I was dumb. <laughs> Why but am I he doesn't, want, he doesn't want to say yeah. that, so he's masking it with a bunch of big words, thinking that everybody on the internet is a complete idiot and won't understand what he's trying to really do. Isn't this the, uh, the, 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 like the statement, you, you have the right to say anything you want, but you also have to deal with the consequences of what you say? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, totally. Well, And, and he goes on to say that... Uh, that even though this was a problem that he caused, and these are things that he did, there were people who did it to him as well. Wasn't his wife website. involved? I mean, she she kind of did it to him, too, by calling out people on Slashdot or something, did she? Or Reddit? Or? Yes. Yeah. Uh, he also uh, tries to say that uh, there were journalists who were out against him. And he has a website that actually lists them all by name. He blames Ars Technica for putting his reputation in the trash. He's After all of that, all for, after all of his big fancy words that don't actually mean what he thinks they mean, 
he then tries to play himself as the victim. <clears throat> so we know exactly what kind of person you are, pal. You don't need the words, and you don't need to uh, keep legal fights for us to tell exactly what kind of person you are. But luckily, Troll is protected class now. And can yeah. can we stop saying basically for at least five minutes? Because I've drunk more sun-kissed in the past three minutes than I have my entire life. <laughs> I know, my stomach's... Hold on, we need to take a drink. Right <laughs> oh, yeah, because I said it. So basically what you're saying is you need to pee? <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> you know what else is a protected class? And this is kind of weird, actually. Facebook likes are protected now as free speech. Okay, explain this to me. How? Well, uh, that's what I'm trying to figure out myself. Now, if you need me to explain this, I'm wondering what you're doing listening to a show, because you've obviously never been on the internet before, but Facebook likes, or when you like something on Facebook, you click the actual like button. Uh, Zoner likes Mondays. Stark likes uh, Happy Puppies. Schmitty likes yes. seeing you die in video games. <laughs> You know, so those are all different things. And I guess people are actually uh, employers, I'm getting the feeling, actually reading this. Employers were using this as a way to discriminate against certain applicants by seeing what they liked on Facebook. Now, also, this probably has a lot to do with uh, Facebook's new graph search, where you can actually search people out by what they like. You can type into the graph search, find people near me who like Chinese food. And it'll do once, it. Once again, there. This is this is just another valid reason of why we all need to have privacy settings set really high on our Facebook accounts. Yes. Well, it just kind of makes me wonder exactly what sort of likes they were using to discriminate on. Yeah, the, the kinds of people that would have the likes that that uh, that you would be discriminated against are the same kind of people that wouldn't have their security settings set such that an a potential employer couldn't see them. So it's a it's a catch twenty two. Well and it's it's like yeah, it's it's free speech, but it's like what we were talking about before. Just because it's free speech doesn't mean everyone has to like it. The employer can see that you liked the Muslim Brotherhood and sure it's free speech. That only means that the government's not gonna come and put you in jail. It doesn't mean the employer is gonna hire you. Right. You know, and does this basically make everybody a protected class then, based upon their personal interests? Oh, I like watching Holocaust documentaries because I have an interest in World War II and the suffering that took part therein. Does that make me a protected class? You know, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I get the feeling there's some sort of legal precedent here that we are missing that the article doesn't talk about. There's some case somewhere in backwater America where a kid was put in jail for liking something, and we're simply missing that key. And if anyone knows what it is, let us know at feedback at stillandroids.com, because legitimately here, if there's something we're missing, and it, and it feels like there's a big thing we're missing, yeah. we, we'd like to know. It might help explain why this bill was even considered in the first place, because as it is right now, it seems like kind of pointless, but... Yeah. I like three-toed sloths that like to dress up as Disney princesses. Protected class, baby! That's my Dude, favorite that's... band, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, into Apple news. Apple launched iOS 7 yesterday. That would be Wednesday when we're recording here. iOS 7 is the unholy love child of Android and Windows Phone 
8. But people aren't liking it right now. There's been, There's a, huge, been a lot of negative feedback on this. Yeah, the backlash has been pretty heavy duty. Uh, for one, the servers couldn't handle the upgrade, which you'd think Apple would have figured out by now. Evidently not. It couldn't serve up the update software fast enough. Uh, so there was that. Also, a lot of the carriers weren't allowing the downloads because Apple had the... Well, for one, Apple had the default download threshold set too low for its own firmware, telling people they had to wait till they were on Wi-Fi. That's not as big a deal, honestly. If you're complaining about that, that was actually a feature meant to help you, so I don't see that as a big issue. But the carriers were blocking it. That's more of an issue. Then, a lot of people were having issues actually installing it where it would freeze, it would lock up the phone, it would brick the phone, and they had to restore from backup. For the seventh iteration of their OS, you'd think it was more put together. But then, it turns out that not only does it reset many of your privacy settings to a new default, to a default that wasn't there before, basically broadcasting everything across... Anyone who wants to find you can find you very easily. It also then introduced a new security flaw where even if your computer, your phone is locked with a passcode, people can still pick it up and use it to get on your email, your Twitter, and your Facebook. So they were learning from Facebook. (laughs) Yep. I don't know who they were learning from. There's also a Tumblr, and this one I, I personally feel is a little bit nitpicky but worth bringing up. There's a Tumblr where people have been submitting all the different fails of new iOS 7 in the design area. Things like two words, like two buttons next to each other. Okay looks one way. Cancel next to it looks a completely different way. Like it's centered differently. The font justification is off. One of them is bolded. Little things like that where nothing looks like it was put together correctly. Personally, I don't think that's a huge issue, but when you consider that much of what Steve Jobs had in Apple was the design aesthetic, that's kind of a, a smoking gun. Yeah, I've, I've actually had a, uh, an iPhone user at my work who knows I'm on the show actually came up to me and said, hey, I'm going to be doing the upgrade soon. I'm going to let you know about it. And then he was telling me about how long it took, and then he was telling me about some of the some of the things he didn't like this this morning on he's like you know what this this looks more like android i wasn't expecting some of this he was talking about how on some of the older phones it's a lot slower and i'm pretty sure it's because of the 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 um the upgrades and stuff but yeah this this is the first time i've ever heard the kool-aid drinkers be negative about an upgrade yeah i uh similar similar situation i talked to uh, four guys at work that had upgraded to ios 7 and of the four guys, three of them did not like the new design at all. Um, they were just hating on it. They com- every every step of the way, they were complaining about it. The one guy that did like it was a Windows 8 user. <laughs> <laughs> now, it, it's easy to say, well, these are just haters. You know, haters going to hate. And that's an easy thing to say. But when there's things like toolbars that you can't read because it is light gray on white that's a poor design decision you know if you can't actually even use your phone because the text is invisible on the background that's a problem Uh, when you can lock your phone with a security code and people can still access it to get all your personal stuff that's a problem I foresee an update happening very fast here 
in interesting news, and I didn't actually uh, put it here in the show notes. This is just a quick little fact. You know what also happened this week? Turns out Windows Phone 8 is now outselling iOS devices in India 2 to 1. Yep. Now, it's still being just slaughtered by Android, but that kind of goes without saying now. But iOS is on a downward path. I'm, I won't say it's on a death spiral or whatnot, but it is certainly losing uh, popularity across the world. It's not as strong as it was, and I'm not really sure the iPhone 5C is going to save it. Because it the C an- stands for crap. Well, it stands, stands for cheap. Yeah, okay, we consider it crap. But you know which phones we have. The rest of the world doesn't, you know, not everyone can afford smartphones the way we throw money at them. And even then it's kind of pointless. So a cheap phone, an entry-level phone, is a good idea. Yes. And it, that was their idea. I, I think that it, it actually is a really good idea on Apple's part. And, you know, I... It, that's all they got going for them at this point is try and get into some of the, those emerging markets because they're they're dying slowly. It's a gateway drug, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, you're right. The first one's free, or at least the first one's affordable. After that, you're going to want the uh, the more powerful one. But I don't see iOS recovering without a strong redesign. This was supposed to be the strong redesign. Remember, this one took forever. John Ives was supposed to take care of it and and make it all the way he wants to make it. And in the end, it's people are revolt are they're not revolting, but they're rebelling against it. Speaking of phones, speaking of uh, locking it up, the government, the federal government, has actually stepped in and asked the FCC to allow hardware unlocks of phones. We reported on this like a year ago. Yeah, over a year for a ago. long. <laughs> Yeah, over a year ago. For a long time, it was against the law to unlock your phone, to root it. Um, It's protected by the DMCA, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, which is maintained, oddly, by the Library of Congress. So the Library of Congress was saying, no, you can't unlock your phone. Why? We don't know. Well, an exemption was made for phones for quite a while that then expired, I want to say, the end of last year. Any phones that were sold or manufactured after the end of last year could not be unlocked. If you did, it was illegal again. We've gone on and on about this. We haven't talked about it for a while because it's kind of fallen out of the headlines. But if you buy the phone, you should be able to unlock it. Well, the government agrees, actually, and is... Um, petitioning the FCC to make this a rule, trying to basically circumvent the whole DMCA, trying to circumvent the Library of Congress, go directly to the FCC, which is the body that should have been doing it the whole time. The story should end there, but it struck me today. Uh, let me let me go back and explain something. I use a Windows phone. You guys know that. That's fine. Windows, Microsoft released the GDR2 update into the wild. It's kind of like a service pack, if you will, for the phones. My phone is end of life. It's not supported anymore, and it's on T-Mobile, the weakest of the four carriers. My brother-in-law has the premier Windows phone on AT&T, one of the strongest of the carriers. So lo and behold, our surprise when my phone got the update, and his phone has still yet to get the update a month later. And it struck me that it's probably because I've paid my phone off. 
I own it outright, and T-Mobile has that new policy in place where they're not going to maintain the phones anymore. They're going to let you do it. While AT&T is the one blocking his phone from updating. And it made me wonder, are carriers using this little loophole in the DMCA to withhold updates to people's phones? That's a distinct possibility, actually, now that that it's been explained that way. I mean, Schmitty, wasn't it you who really wanted the update for your last phone? Not the one you currently have, but it was your last one, and your carrier wouldn't let you have it? Yeah, my Droid Bionic, uh, the... the I want to say it was the ice cream sandwich update. Um, It wasn't available through Verizon, but I could get it uh, through uh, the the dev uh, forums. But I was locked out of being able to unlock my phone. It was in Verizon. Yeah, even if you owned that phone, even if you paid for it outright or fully owned it, Verizon had it locked. So it makes it makes no sense that way. So we really hope that this actually goes through. This kind of reminds me of our talking point that we've discussed in great, great detail over the last four episodes of if you buy it, do you actually own it? I see. Oh, oh, wait, we, we didn't do that, did we? Short answer was no, you don't own it. Moving on, you know, to other stuff. Ruff actually sent, Ruff sent us a headline, so and he suggested that this be a talking point, so we don't have to talk about Zoner's talking point. Why are, you so, why are you so hateful on me, man? It just hurts my heart. Oh, no, wait. That's just like all the grease and whatnot from sausage. There's this, a, there's this idea that's been kicked around, and it's been on the web for a week, and already the video explaining it has amassed over 12 million views and it's called the phone block this is genius it's here in the show notes here you can look it up long and short of it is the idea of making a modular phone system you have a base plate and from there you can plug different modules that you want onto your onto the back side and the screen you want into the front side if one module breaks or becomes outdated you can unplug that module from the plate and replace it with another. If, say, you're like me and I don't use cloud services a lot, but I need a lot of storage and a lot of CPU and a lot of battery, I can try and make my phone like that. If you're like Schmitty and use cloud services like crazy, just have a bigger battery and a better antenna. If you're an old person and you don't use any of these features, give them a bigger battery and a bigger speaker. It's an ingenious idea, and it makes you wonder why people haven't thought of this before. I'm not really sure. This is like a a thunderclap. It's not a Kickstarter. It's not an Indiegogo. It's basically just an idea of a petition. Great. I'm going to have to drink now. (laughs) I didn't even realize I had said it. Oh, okay. But uh, it's this idea where you sign up, and then on one day, everyone is going to just flood Facebook and Twitter saying they want something like this. I don't know if that's really going to get anyone to make it. Money talks. But but the idea yeah, is out there, and uh, if, if someone's capable of doing this, and they like the idea as well, they're going to try it. And we, we may start to see this, if not fully blown like this, we may start to see it a little bit uh, from from, you know, do, uh, mom, and, mom and pop manufacturers, if you will. Well, I like the idea because that's how we 
least most geeks that I know, that's how we do our computers nowadays. We all have MUT computers. Yeah. We threw we, we got a processor from over here, we got RAM from over here, we got a hard we got a hard drive we really liked. We threw it all in a box that we liked and we made our own computer. Well, I, yeah, I see this, this as a natural progression for the phone. I if they could make it work, if it could technically work, and that's a challenge. That's not a light challenge either. Think of how this could change things because all of a sudden you're not having to buy an iPhone or an Android or whatnot. Instead, you could say, you know what? I really like the Qualcomm chips for 3G, but I really don't like them for LTE. I want this other brand for LTE instead. And you go out and you buy that LTE chip. And I really want Nokia's PureView camera, so I'm going to buy their camera. And I really want, you know, you could part out your dream phone. Yeah. Um, I, I was talking about this with someone at work, and we were we were talking about the modularity of, of devices and, and the history of modularity. Uh, PC computers have been modular for uh, forever, since early 80s. And, since uh, the ATX standard came into play. Yeah, okay, so 90s. Um, but the uh, as soon as laptops came out, you started losing that modularity. Uh, you, have, you have some brands like MSI, and I want to say... Acer had a couple that you could you could mix and match um, certain parts of your laptop, but outside of that, gateway tried, yeah, and uh, and even up till now, the only thing you can replace in your laptop now are the hard drive and the memory, and that's it. Um, and so there there's a reason why that modularity has has disappeared from from the market. Who, who knows if it's because uh, the devices are smaller now and it's ha- just harder or because it's just not uh, in demand. Well, do you honestly see, though, kind of going back to what we just talked about, do you honestly see a company like Verizon giving consumers the option to build their own phone? Well, now, I'm glad you bring that up because that actually segues nicely back into our previous one. A lot of the carriers now are having this thing where you just pay for the phone outright. They're tired of subsidizing the, the cost of the phone. That's why a lot of their service plans have gone down. And if you're buying it outright, then who cares? You know, it's not a Verizon phone anymore. But they can't give you all their bloatware that they quote-unquote test for 18 months before they release it. Well, actually, they could if you think about it, because at some point you need to put on a certain antenna and SIM card module onto the phone, right? Otherwise, it's just a device that can't get onto any carrier. So you buy the Verizon module that allows you to plug onto Verizon's network, and that module has their bloatware on it. Yeah, not just that, but any other any other uh, modular device you plug into it can have their own. Uh, bloatware or, or software that's necessary for that module and uh, you start you start getting um, you know Nikon's camera software installed and then you uh, a certain you know, the, Bla- the Blackberry keyboard that you install you get their software and things like that so buy genuine HP ink cartridges <laughs> scrolling across your screen constantly <laughs> Yeah, okay, we just killed that idea. Everyone's going to hear this podcast and say, nope, nope. not going to want it. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> but, you know, to be, you know, recursive there, that is what happened with the PC market. For a big time during the 80s and early 2000s, you bought a new PC, and it was loaded to the gills with crap. Yeah. You know? They it, still it, are. 
Not as much. Not as much. Well, think about it this way. still are. Think about it this way. You see so many phones on the market. Each phone uh, is different in uh, just in its own way, you know. You see phones with uh, FM receivers. There's a phone with a a built-in card... uh, credit card reader there's phone, you know different phones with different things that don't make it in the market because they're just really small niches of people that it appeals to with a modular phone like this you want a credit card reader buy the credit card module you, no need to build an entire phone just with a credit card reader anymore because those who need that functionality can just buy the module for it so I worry, personally, I worry that a cell phone is too small a platform to make something like this work. Uh, That our circuitry and that our ability for manufacturing is still just too small. That being said, I think a tablet like this would just be awesome. If you could build out your own tablet and then you sidestep the whole thing, the FCC rules of being on one carrier or another or having registered chipsets, I think that would just be awesome. Maybe the prototypes will be as big as tablets. I mean, we see phones as big as tablets anyway, so why not start there? It's a feature. (laughs) It's not at all that we couldn't shrink the circuitry. It's not at all that it's a prototype. It's a feature. (laughs) Okay, um, into some video game news. I shouldn't say that. Into one video game news. Grand Theft Auto V. Turns out it's popular. You get to kill a lot of hookers? (laughs) Well, of course. Um, It launched, uh, and Schmitty decided to take the initiative here and list the top ten video game launches of all time. So I will hand it over to Schmitty. Okay, so um, this wasn't... Hard to do. I, I found uh, an article from last year when... It was very difficult to do. <laughs> Call of Duty Black Ops 2 was released last year. It it uh, beat the record uh, at $500 million, got the, uh, the top spot. And in fact, the top four spots of the top ten of last year were all Call of Duty titles. Go figure. <laughs> the next one after that this was... This was opening week, right? Uh, opening day, 24 hours. Um... So all the Call of Duties together, you have uh, Black Ops 2, Modern Warfare 3, Black Ops 1, and Modern Warfare 2. Those are all in the top four. Uh, Grand Theft Auto 5 um, beat them all at $800 million, uh, $800 million worth of sales in the first 24 hours. Beat them soundly. Yes. <laughs> it's interesting to note that all of the top ten titles are all first-person shooters, well, with the ex- exception of Diablo 3, or not necessarily first-person shooters, but violent video games. Uh, so this is something to be said about our video game de- demographic. It should not actually be a huge surprise, though. No. I mean, Grand Theft Auto 4 uh, was the sequel to Grand Theft Auto 3. Derp, right? I get it. But Grand Theft Auto 3 was one of the first ones of the franchise that really made that game huge. So it's only goes, it only makes sense that its sequel should have a lot of anticipation. And they really delivered on it. So the fifth one here, 800 million, 800 million in 24 hours. I, rem- I was talking to Schmitty right before we started recording. I remember when Halo 3 launched and it was it broke all records at 170 million. People had said you could not get a media release over a hundred million dollars in the first 24 hours, and they were stunned when the thing that finally did it was a video game of all things. <laughs> and that's number and ten on the list. 
Yeah, that's number 10 now. That was back in 2007. So this is just insane. That being said, it shouldn't be too uh, surprising when it incites other violence. Yes, I went there. I sound like one of those yeah, people. It, every time we see it, we uh, see a release of a Grand Theft Auto title. For some reason, there's always some crime or something committed around the release of that. I remember San and- uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. There were um, a bunch of uh, teenagers that drove up in a in an unmarked van, robbed a video game store, stole like 18 titles of, of Grand Theft Auto, and then drove off. Um, same happened in Grand Theft Auto 4 was released. Um, not necessarily a, a van, but, but people drove by a game a video game store, ran in, ran out with a couple copies of Grand Theft Auto. And, uh, and now we have a new one for Grand Theft Auto 5. Yeah, this gamer in London had stayed up till midnight, had stood in line till midnight to buy Grand Theft Auto 5 as soon as the store opened. And he ended up getting stabbed and hit with a brick and robbed of his game on his way home. Now, I feel like he should at least feel thankful that they didn't try and peel out on his face like <laughs> you can do in Grand Theft Auto 4. But that's just in poor taste. I'd never actually say that. No, I'm glad you didn't say it. Yeah. We're all glad uh, that we're going to edit the that out. The three teenagers that they believe did it were later arrested. But, I mean, holy crap! Stabbed and hit with a brick for a video game that you could buy from Walmart a week later. Uh, well, not even a week later. I was talking today at work with some of my coworkers, and they were saying, you know, these people are standing in line. They're paying people to stand in line for hours and hours. When they could go to Walmart at 8 a.m. and pick it up and nobody's going to be there. Yeah, I I don't know. I like getting things on opening day if I can, but that's just kind of crazy. Yeah. You know? Interesting. Well, it turns out that many of the people who got it on opening day, they had some errors. You're talking about another Diablo 4 edition. Yeah, there were... Diablo 3 edition. There were issues... Well, it wasn't that bad. um, There there are two discs with the... with Grand Theft Auto V, one is is the the first disc that has all the textures and the graphics. You install that to your hard drive, um, and then disc two, which is the play disc, uh, you you have the option on the Xbox 360 to install that to your hard drive, so you don't have to pop the disc in every time you want to play. Um, it, it's very useful if you have a large collection and you don't want to keep standing up to swap out discs. Um, however. Um, Rockstar tweeted um, that they do not recommend that you install the play disc to your hard drive because it will uh, it'll decrease the graphic integrity of of the game. Um, Basically, it'll bork it. Yeah, <laughs> this happened with their last one too. Do you remember the Grand Theft Auto Four launch for the PlayStation Three? If you had, like, I want to say the 160 gigabyte version of the PlayStation 3 and only that one size for some reason, it completely screwed up the console. Yeah. Yeah, some, uh, the, the best problems, uh, I mean, you, you all, everyone had problems that installed it to their hard drive. The best ones, uh, or, or the ones that were the, the lesser problems were, you know, you'd have texture glitches, um, the video wasn't always in sync with the audio, um, 
but at the worst end, people would just get black screens or gray screens or garbled screens like like the kill screen in Pac-Man, you know. Um, just a huge array of things like that. And the only way to fix it was for them to uninstall it from their hard drive and and just play from the disc. So Don't get stabbed and hit with a brick for a glitchy game. <laughs> um, so, I mean, they, they recommend to just play it from the play disc. Some people have figured out that you can install the game instead instead of on your hard drive you can install it to a 16 gigabyte USB drive or an SD card um, and that will that will work just as well and uh, a lot of people kept uh, asking Rockstar what the reason for this is and uh, they they replied with uh, a whole bunch of technical jargon but uh, they summed it up saying that they're they're using as much resources as they can on the Xbox and on the PlayStation 3 to get the game as, as good as they can. This, the hardware is dated. We have new Xbox and new PlayStations coming out. Um, so the, they're releasing this game on old hardware, basically, and they're doing the best they can to get the, the graphics uh, to go as fast as they can. So what they're doing is they're installing half of the resources on the hard drive the other half of the resources are coming from the disk, um, and the, the resources on the hard drive are actually being updated live uh, via via streaming source. So so textures are being updated live as you're playing. So they I, I they have live ads, things like that that are displaying in the game. And if you're streaming to from both the hard drive and the disk, you get the optimal stream, uh, optimal speeds of the game. If you have them both on the hard drive, that's when they start seeing lag, uh, lagging between all the graphics and audio. So it sounds very complicated. It, yeah, it, they they go on the, the, the long and short of it. Sounds it sounds really really complicated. Yeah. So, but you got to give them kudos too, because they're handling the situation a whole lot better than I don't know EA with SimCity. <laughs> Is that a sore point for you, Zonner? It sounds bit. like there's some some there's emotion there. Just saying, <laughs> you know, I just picked a, an example at random. Uh, no, no, you, just you, a thought. You might be right. They still have yet to release GTA Online. That comes out August first. Um, we'll see if we run into problems then uh, that. This might be the least of their problems. So, well, and then you can be, get stabbed and hit with a brick online. Yeah. And to be honest, Rockstar, for all of its nefarious games, you know, you'd think that they were kind of the underbelly of the gaming world, but really, as a developer and a publisher, they're really quite solid about fixing their stuff. I mean, can you think of any release that they've had that has just been outright broken? Um, They've always taken care of it. Yeah, I, I can't off the top of my head. Nope. Yeah. Um, moving on here, um, HP has released two new laptops. One of them is a tablet, the other one's a laptop. The tablet is very interesting. As one of the new Haswell Core processors, it basically might as well be a laptop because it requires a dock. But here's the interesting thing. It's a Haswell Core i5 processor. If you don't know what that means, it means it's fast. And it requires no fans. None whatsoever. So we can't be a fan of this thing at all, then. Oh. <laughs> Black no, it magic. Makes me, 
It, it, you know, almost, yeah, sure. We'll go with that. HP is dabbling in black magic. They'll be in the next uh, next Monster Hunter International book. <laughs> but this is this is big stuff. And if that's not enough, they're releasing a new version of their NV13 laptop that has the Leap Motion controller built into it. Now, if you've forgotten already what that is, the Leap Motion is a motion control sensor. It's a peripheral that you plug into your computer, and it watches the space above it for what your hands are doing and you can then use your hands in this open space to manipulate things on the screen basically imagine minority report and it actually works better than it does in minority report yeah now, I, they were working on sorry go ahead Schmitz. yeah i was gonna say that i i picked one up i actually uh was a part of the kickstarter campaign um and i didn't get it until a year and a half later which was what three months ago, um, and I, I plugged it into my computer at work, and and I was surprised at how how fast the tracking is, and how accurate it is, how accurate it is. It's it's really hard to learn how to move Windows around and and actually use your computer with it. But once you get the hang of it, it's it's revolutionary. And so, this yeah. I- there are videos online, and I suggest you know listeners who are curious about this look at them because it isn't just some hokey little thing. It really is quite powerful. I do like this idea better because I know that one of the biggest complaints that I heard a lot of people say when it came to the touchpad technology for the t- or the touchscreen technology is they did not want to have their fingers on the screen itself. Now that you were not putting the fingers on the screen. I'm seeing this being even more popular. Yeah, and, and uh, aside from, I mean, putting your finger on a screen and stuff, there's really only one dimension of, of sensing there. But with Leap Motion, it can sense when your fingers are 10 inches from the screen uh, as opposed to 5 inches from the screen, and you can you, they use that difference of, of depth to grab windows or drag files, things like that. So it's, it. I mean... It's even yeah, like you said, better wait. than Minority Report. <laughs> I I can't wait for someone over at XDA Developers because you know they'll be the first ones to do it. But they managed to work a Google Glass interface that ma- manages to give augmented reality when you're looking at your computer, so it looks like things are popping out at your eyes with a Leap Motion controller, so you can actually move things in three dimensions on and off your screen. Wicked. So, <laughs> It'll so now be them. Now, instead of just talking to yourself, you'll basically also be waving your hands all around, too, as you're walking down the street. (laughs) Well, no, because you don't walk down the street with your laptop in front of your face. No, but you can launch, you can mount the Leap Motion Controller onto your chest, I guess. (laughs) No, he's got a point. (laughs) I'm just trying to... So if someone's about to punch you in the chest, the Leap Motion will be able to take that input. (laughs) Incoming, incoming! (laughs) And turn your computer off. Automatically okay. dial nine one one. Deploy airbag. <laughs> we talked about uh, I want to say last week or maybe the week before. Europe does not like the Windows. It doesn't like it at all. Germany. The, uh, Germany is moving their computers to Linux because they really don't want Windows eight on there. But what do you do when Windows XP, which is the most installed version of Windows, is running out of support? Well, how about you give your citizens free Ubuntu CDs? 
that's what the city of Munich is doing. On one hand, I can kind of compliment them. Hey, you need to move up from this old operating system. On the other hand, maybe they couldn't afford all the Microsoft licenses. I don't know. <laughs> On the other hand, the third hand, what are these, like old AOL CDs? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was the last campaign that blanketed an entire country in CDs, right? <laughs> 500 free hours. Well, I saw something today. I, I I can't remember the source or even the details, but I saw something around about uh, Linus Torvaldis. Is that how you say his name? Uh, I think so. Yeah. He was a, he was told or he's getting pressure by the NSA to put a backdoor into Linux. So maybe this is like some nefarious plot by the NSA to get onto Germans' computers too. I don't know. <laughs> Here's the thing. Linux doesn't need a backdoor. It's a glass house. Yes. And the and problem with, with getting Linus Torvalds to put a backdoor in Linux is he's not in charge of any current build of Linux right now. All the all the uh, flavors of Linux that are available right now are made by other developers. Developers yeah. that are pro- mostly younger than 20. <laughs> Good luck getting yeah, them putting it back. don't know who he is. Yeah. Many of them don't know who Red Hat was. Nope. Man, that makes me feel old. Red Hat was the Linux distro for a long time there. Yeah, it was. We are old, Zook. Yeah, we were born in the 1900s. I, I made a comment. I made a comment today to the kids in my daughter's carpool about Apollo Creed. Not a single one of them knew who Apollo Creed was. I am an old man. We talked about Dude, I'm on this podcast and I don't know who that we is. We talked about Apollo Creed today at work. Rocky. <laughs> about how uh, um, Lando Calrissian looks like Apollo Creed. <laughs> oh, that's right. He was the guy in Predator, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> There's face palms all over the video right now. If you got that reference, email us at <laughs> feedback at soldroids.com. So we love NASA. Geeks love NASA. It's a fact. Um, but it doesn't help if you're a geek who can't spell, as what happened this week when the NSA got hacked. Oh, but they didn't hack the NSA. They hacked NASA. <laughs> One acronym too many, guys. Yeah, one letter just a little bit too far. Um, They left uh, a message all over the NASA Ames Research Center and 14 other different sites. says, NASA hacked by, and whatever their hacker tag is, it makes no sense, stop spy on us. The Brazilian population do not support your attitude. The Illuminati are now visibly (laughs) acting. Obama heartless, inhumane, you have no family. The point in the entire global population is supporting you. Nobody. We do not want war. We want peace. Do not attack the Syrians. (laughs) And all your base belong to us. There are many spam messages that are better written than this manifesto. (laughs) Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. The Illuminati. No family? (laughs) No job? Want to last longer in bed? You know, it's... (laughs) Arrowed. If you're going to go through the effort of hacking 15 sites... Maybe you should run this through a spell check. <laughs> I'm just saying. Or, you know, hack the it correct should, site. <laughs> or, or, yeah, that too. It shouldn't be like this thing of getting through firewall security going, Oh my gosh, we got in. 
What do we do now? What are we going to put? I don't know. I thought you were going to handle that. No. <laughs> Let's just do this. Okay. We'll just whip something together right now on Notepad. <laughs> this is the combination of, obviously, and I'm not making fun of them for this, but obviously English is not their first language. Um, that aside, obviously they're also 12, and we're on far too many Red Bulls because <laughs> it just it makes no sense whatsoever. But the entire global population of Brazil does not support our attitude. <laughs> we could not make Power Rangers. I, I would rather NASA be the head of the Illuminati than, than the NSA, actually. Oh, dude, that would be awesome. We'd have, like, secret moon bases and everything. How Who's do you know to we say don't we don't? <laughs> because there's Nazis on the moon. moon. Okay, yeah, there finally. are Nazis on the moon now, aren't they? <laughs> Finally, our last headline is unfortunately a sad one. Hiroshi Yamuchi died at age 85 this week. If you don't know who he was, he was the president of Nintendo through the rise of the video game era. Now, interesting facts that I learned about this. I'm thinking, oh, well, wow, he helped found Nintendo? No, he was actually the third president of Nintendo. Wait, how did that happen? He was a really old guy. When did he take over? Oh, he took over in 1949. Does anyone here know how old Nintendo is? Uh, 1895s. 1880s. Really? Yeah. It was a card company. Yeah. What video game console were they building back then? Uh, well, it's Japan, so they love their playing cards. Evidently, Pokemon was still around. No, I, I guess. <laughs> but I'm Japanese, I'm allowed. Yeah. Is this a steampunk console? No, they they had playing card games back then, and it's just a tradition that stuck around with like Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon now. But they've always had it. And in 1949, he became the president, and he helped lead Nintendo and become this video game manufacturer. We have all those consoles and all those great things because of him. And he passed on this week at age 85. So uh, hats off to him. I was just surprised. I had no clue Nintendo was that old. So, yay. Learn something new every day. All right, let's rush through our favorites here. Um, this week, a probe was sent in around Mercury, and it discovered either Han Solo or Jimmy Hoffa. We're not sure which. There is a range of mountains that looks almost identical to the uh, now infamous scene of Han Solo in Carbonite looking up from the surface of Mercury. Now, of course, he obviously is not. This happened with Mars as well, with the face and, and everything else. Humans have a tendency to try and see familiar shapes and images in a pattern. It's just something we do. Remember when the Curiosity rover landed and like everyone in the world saying, that's a lizard, that's a hand, there's an alien skull. No, they're all rocks. This is the same thing. But it is kind of funny how it looks. It's a nice little... Uh, uh, coincidence, and that's my favorite, just because it's a nice little thing to have a geek mountain range up there. I think they should call it the Solo Mountain Range, personally. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. All right. Uh, my favorite uh, is uh, if if you're a fan of Breaking Bad, you will really enjoy this. Um, if you're a fan of Jimmy Fallon, you have already seen this. This is Jimmy Fallon's take on Breaking Bad. He calls it Joking Bad. Um, he even he uh, plays the role of of Walter White, but 
they call him Jimmy Fallon in the in the video, and he's uh, trying to make the most pure joke, um, and it's it's pretty hilarious. So uh, if you're a fan of Breaking Bad, check it out. Even if you're not, check it out. My favorite is Batman related. Uh, there's a cool uh, fan film that's set in Christopher Nolan's uh, Batman universe called The Dark Knight Legacy, and it's set about a year after Dark Knight Rises ends. Follows John Blake, uh, who we know as Robin and Batman's uh, successor in the franchise, uh, and his quote unquote heroic journey to protect the symbol of Batman from the lethal, relentless attacks of a masked vigilante known only as the Red Hood. Did you just say heroic? Heroic. Heroic. You can't say that word. Only I can say that word. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's about seven minutes long. Uh, plan is to turn it into a web series. They've got an Indiegogo page that's set up to try and get the funding. It's really good. Check it out. All right, as you guys know from our past episodes, we don't know very much about stocks or monetary exchanges or how some of this monetary stuff works. So we have luckily found a favorite for my uh, f- uh, this week. I'm really making a lot of sense here. Uh, it is an internet or interstellar currency exchange for various science fiction and fantasy shows. If you need to translate the English pound or euro or American dollar into Federation credits, galactic credits from Star Wars, bottle caps from Fallout New Las Vegas, simoleons from The Sims, uh, Elder Scroll money, uh, galleons from Harry Potter, uh, and stuff from various other fantasy shows and, and movies. Even the dollar pounds from Red Dwarf is in there. Uh, you can go in here and you can actually find out what the exact exchange rate is and even tells you how it came up with some of that exchange rate as well. Really cool. Go check it out. Alright, well that is our show this week. Thank you for joining us. Uh, again, find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, give us a shout out. Uh, let us know what you think at feedback at stonedroids.com. Until next time, cheers. End of line. One to beam up. Good day.